Hi, I'm your host, Kelly Joe, and this is the Nourished Motherhood Podcast, a show dedicated to bringing together the voices of motherhood and helping women connect with others and themselves through the power of sharing honest, vulnerable stories. Because every woman deserves to have a place where her voice is heard. We believe that supporting mothers is one of the healthiest things we can do for our society. There's a balance of beauty and grit to be found in every woman's story. And we're so honored you're here to listen, connect, and grow with us. Let's dive in. Do you have any friends or family in your community who have a child that's been diagnosed with Down syndrome? And have you ever wondered how to better support them? What to say and what not to say? then you're going to love this Voices of Motherhood episode today. You're invited into a raw, open, and honest conversation with Kaywin Barnett. Kaywin is a child and family therapist, mother of two incredible kiddos, and loves to adventure. On today's episode, Kaywin dives into her own personal experience of becoming a mom and raising a daughter with Down syndrome. This is a powerful conversation. It's insightful, encouraging, and eye-opening to say the least. It was a true privilege to have this conversation, and I'm excited to share it with you today. Kaywin, oh my goodness, I am so excited to welcome you to the Nourished Motherhood podcast, and I'm specifically really excited about this conversation today because it is near and dear to my heart. Not only are you a good friend, you've known me pretty much my whole life, like right back to that first day or two uh, after I was born and brought home. And, you know, I just, this is a conversation that is in my mind, long overdue as your friend. Um, And so we're talking all about your journey into motherhood, which has been beautiful, challenging, full of unknowns, but you have a beautiful daughter and son, and your daughter has Down syndrome. And I have, I feel like even this conversation today, I'm nervous to have because as a friend, I haven't known how to show up or how to support you and how to support her. And I just feel like I'm just excited to have this conversation finally, and to be able to better come alongside of you guys and also others in our community who are walking a similar path as you. So Welcome and thank you for being here. Thank you, Kelly. I'm really excited to be here. Aww. Well, can you tell me and for everyone listening a little bit about yourself, where you live, and what life looks like for you right now? Yeah. Um, so I currently live in Seattle, Washington, but <laughs> as you know, uh, my Alaska pride will <laughs> never end through and through. So I grew up in Alaska with you right up the street um, and uh, moved to Washington though for college and kind of eventually ended up staying over some back and forth. Um, My husband, I live here in Seattle and I am a mother of two, as you mentioned. So Ella is three years old. um, She has Down syndrome. And then my son Rainier just turned one last week. That's always a big, (laughs) big moment. When your kid turns one, you're like, wow, here, where was I a year ago? Uh Um, And I'm also a licensed mental health counselor. So primarily child and family um, and also adults. And, but that's part-time. Yeah. So I'm just kind of being a mom and a person and figuring life out every day. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. It's, and this last year for us parents has been quite the roller coaster trying to figure out parenting, working, all of that, given our environment. It's been, it's 
been full of a lot yeah. of unknowns. <laughs> yeah. A year. <laughs> um, okay. Did you like always know that you wanted to be a mom? Like, can you tell me, was that always a, like on your heart or was that a desire later in life? Was it just a surprise? Yeah. Yeah. No, I did not want to be a mom. I didn't want to get married. I didn't want to be a mom. I wanted to go live in the city and like have my career and travel and those things. Um, if I am like, you know, I was yeah, you like young and so you don't know, but, um, I think also probably those desires stemmed from just like a love of adventure, but also somewhat insecurity. Um, mm. now with my uh, wisdom of age, I can reflect back and say that, but <laughs> <laughs> so I did get married. Um, Steve, Steve decided to change my mind on that one. <laughs> totally worth it. And then I just kind of had this, as we'd been married, I don't know, six or seven years or something, and maybe like five or six at the time. And I just kind of had this realization that I think I would be disappointed if I never tried. Mm. Like I was really aware, like, who knows? Right. I mean, at that point, it's like, fan family friends and friends just the journey into motherhood is is such a it's an unknown with an infinite number of routes um there or not in and so I was just like actually I don't think I want to go down this road but I do have the sense that if I don't even open the door I think I will regret it Mm. and I had that conversation with my husband and he was like what's a baby like no um and we (laughs) talked about that when we got married as I was like I don't want kids, but I don't want them off the table. I need them to be on the table, but this is how I feel today. And so I, and and we were both clear on that. So no, but that's kind of where it shifted was sort of realizing actually, if I don't, if I don't ever open this door, I think I will regret that. Mm, Wow. And so when you guys, so with that, it was on the table, but you know, not really like super serious. Did you guys get to a point where you were actually like, okay, let's go for this. Or did it, was it kind of a surprise for you guys? Both. Um, (laughs) I, it was because he, at the time, so it's funny now because, um, you know this, but, um, anybody, if you were to meet my husband and see him with our kids now, like he is such a great dad and he's so oh clearly goodness, yes. like loves it. He has so much fun. He plays, you know, but at the time prior to having kids, he, he really was like, what's it? Like I had to tell him when he had his first niece, I was like, sit down on the floor with her, <laughs> like, <laughs> pick up a toy and just sit on the floor. She's one, you know, and so it was really important to me that we be on the same page. And so we were kind of going back and forth. And I said, I had been having a lot of skin issues. Like I get a lot of eczema and I was kind of just entering some of that journey of, of understanding. And I, so it was going, I went off like any medication. I just kind of no supplement, like I was going and I said, you know, that's going to include my birth control. And so I was like, I think these things dovetail, like, I think I I need to go off every kind. I need to really give my body a reset, but also do you want, should we just leave the door open? Um, I said, I'm not making this decision alone. I'm not just going to like go off my birth control and, and be like, Oh, did I 
I mentioned that that one time. By the way, I want to be really concrete and clear with you. And that was a little bit of a difficult conversation, not wildly, but uh, I would say there was some disgruntlement, but I was just, I just said, I'm, we got to be clear. We're not, there's no kind of beating around the bush here. And, And so he was really quiet. And then he goes, okay, we're making, I want you to know we're making this decision together. Mm. Um, and so that was really important. And that was pretty much the whole conversation, you know, like I talked for a long time and he said those like less than 10 words, but, <laughs> but powerful <laughs> nonetheless, right. Impor- to be the words the that needed thing. to be said. Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, so, and I had a couple of good friends and, um, we had like, so basically my whole friend group, we were all in our thirties. Uh, everyone had careers. Kids weren't really a part of our social environment at that time. Um, And a couple of my good girlfriends, we had all kind of been talking about it. And so we were like, okay, we're all going to go for birth control. And I got pregnant like the next second. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And and so that's why I say both because it, we did talk about it and it was a surprise. Like I genuinely, I think where Steve and I were at that time was I was like, you know, let's give it a year. And if we're not pregnant, um, that's great. Life is good as it is right now. I don't even, you know, I had felt like just with the skin things and the allergic reactions I was having, I was like, who knows what my body is in, like doing right now? You know, it's fine if this isn't really in the cards for us. And I mean, it was like, like I can, I'm not going to like share with everybody in the world, but it's like, I can specifically tell you <laughs> when we conceived, <laughs> that's how fast it was. Yes. <laughs> and so that moment, I, I, it was, that was, that was just that I had a lot of back and forth of like, huh. Uh, and I already like my cycle hadn't been super consistent just naturally anyways. Um, and I had gone off birth, you know, before right. I'd gone off birth control and going off of it, you know, just kind of that part of being a woman and that relationship to birth control. And yeah, and so I was like, huh, I took a couple of pregnancy tests. They came back negative. One came back like faintly negative, right? You know how that goes and you're like, huh. And I was like, there's no way I'm pregnant. But I sort of was having that in the back of my mind. And then I threw my back out and like really surprisingly, and this is the strangest thing. I went to my doctor at their like drop-in hours because this mm-hmm. was all pre-COVID. And um, I was like, I couldn't stand up straight. You know, I was like, like literally, I think my hips were four inches different. Um, and I had like had to leave work and stuff. And, and I went in and it wasn't even my doctor, but my doctor is combined with a naturopath. The two of them have a practice together, my MD and a naturopath, um, Indy. And so I saw him, the Indy, and I was like, I need something for my back. And he looked at me and he goes, have you taken a pregnancy test? And it was just the weirdest thing, Kelly. Like, I don't know why he said it. I don't know if there was something in my chart, like, you know, I don't know. And cause I had been in to see my doctor prior a couple yeah. months or two prior, mm-hmm. because we talked about me going off my birth control because of the other issues. And I was like, no, no. And he was like, do you know when your last cycle was? And I was like, it's, I'm a little bit late. He's like, well, let's take one. And I literally, I was like, I told him, I go, okay, but you can't tell me the results till we discuss my back because I can't deal with both those things at once. (laughs) Um, And it was negative. And then I went, he was like, huh. And he goes, well, maybe take one in a week. And he gave me like some painkiller or something, but he was like, I'm going to give you this. Just maybe take, and I was like, okay, whatever. 
person, naturopath, whatever. I just, I'm in a lot of pain. And so a week later I went and took another one and it was positive. I like bought like the most expensive one that like says the words positive or negative. Cause at that point it's like, it had just it seemed so confusing, but I think I was, I was over four weeks late at that point. So I think I was five or six weeks late by the time I took that and got that positive test. Oh my gosh. Wild. So that was a surprise. That was like, it was, yeah, it was like, oh, I guess we're doing this. Yeah. Right. You're like, okay, we're in it. I mean, I can kind of relate. I mean, first of all, you said, you know, some of you and girlfriends had chatted about having kiddos. And as soon as I heard you were pregnant, I think you were three months pregnant. And another dear friend of mine was three months pregnant. I was like, babe, like maybe it's time to start trying. Like I was like, I kind of, you know, like, let's just start. And I too thought it was going to take quite a long time to get pregnant. And so we too within, you know, that I month. think you were technically pregnant the first time when I saw you, like we went to get coffee and I was pregnant. And I think I th- you yeah. had like, cause we were talking about that. And I, I'm pretty sure looking like later when you were like, I'm pregnant. I was yep. like, wait, you were <laughs> pregnant when I was in Alaska and we, and we were talking about me being pregnant. And you're like, I think I was, I know. Yeah. But like, as it was like, as soon as I heard you were pregnant, like I was like, Oh, <gasps> Okay. But I think there's something to be said about having community and like doing life and family in kind of a similar season, because it can be, there's so many ups and downs to it and like beautiful things. And so, I mean, I think it's so fun that both our daughters are just like so close together and Mm -hmm. it's been so fun to share that with you. Um, but yeah, just kind of a little bit of a surprise when you're like, Oh, okay. I thought this would take a while. (laughs) And Hello. (laughs) Yep. So those travel plans are changing. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. How was that for you guys? Like processing, you know, going from pretty much, well, maybe kids are on the table to like, okay, we're like, we're having a kid. It was really hard. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was really hard. Like, it's weird. It's such a strange part of motherhood. Um, like there's just so many things that you know, I have to just look back at Kaywin in that moment and love her and, and respect, you know, who I was at that time. Cause you don't know the future. No. You don't know, you know, you, ha- you just have to be who you are in the moment. Um, and you know, even when I like, it was, it was hard. <laughs> you know, I saw, I knew at that point I knew because at that point it was like, after I'd been at the naturopath, and I was like, he's, I was like, that's so weird. He's great. I mean, obviously he's a great doctor, <laughs> but, but I was like, and it was just, just so many little things in your gut. And I was, I was having that conversation with myself. Like there is no way you're pregnant. Like there's, it's just not possible. Kaywin. And you know, and my body knew, um, and yeah, so I got that and I like came downstairs. It wasn't, it wasn't like this beautiful, like my friends are like, here's how I'm going to tell my husband and this, you know, and this happened and it was like kind of not a super fun time. Um, and I think I like told my husband and he knew I was taking the pregnancy test. I was like, I'm going to go take this. He was, I came downstairs and then he's, I think he said, he just stood there. He was like cooking. I think he was like, congratulations, Kaywin. <laughs> <laughs> That's like what he said. 
<laughs> like that. Wow. Like, yeah. He, I'm pretty sure then he like gave me like a, a man hug, like, a, okay, I am hugging my wife in this moment because I'm a good person hug. <laughs> I think Again, best dad in the world, but at the time. <laughs> but I think it's then so important to fight. share this, like, because I yeah. think for so many, like, pregnancy is a surprise or, you know, like it's, it's a huge transformation. Like I think becoming a parent is like one of the biggest transformations we can go through and gosh, yeah. And who we become in the process is just, it's really exciting, but it's, it's full of a lot of challenges. And I don't feel like we always talk about some of those early moments and like, what it was like yeah. to process that because not everyone is like, yay, I'm pregnant. And for some totally. And that's so exciting. Yeah. But yeah. for some of us in our own journeys, right? Like it's a real struggle and it's like a real process of growth through it. Right. And so, yeah, I think it's really cool that you're, you're honest and like vulnerable to share that. Um, because, well, I just can't imagine you not as a mom and like growing up with you too. Like, you're so nurturing and like so good with kids too, right? Like I just think like, well, there's not really anyone who could be a better mom in my opinion <laughs> and Aww. like more equipped in a lot of ways. And so I think to just hear your own journey is, I think it's really powerful and freeing that that's okay. Like there's grace yeah. for those moments as well. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, and if I could just say like really fast, I think, you know, I kind of said like, I can look back on K-Win at that time. And, and I, and I think it's really similar for Steve too. Like a lot of where we were at at that time, um, there was a lot of fear and insecurity, just, you know, it was like, well, no, I don't want kids. I want to do this thing and that thing. And we had our life and our, and our lives were fun and interesting. And, um, you know, there's becoming a parent does change you. And I think that some of those, some of those beliefs we had you know, we're powered by insecurity. Wow. Yeah. I mean, isn't that a lot of things in life though? Like that keeps us from certain things. It's our fears, it's insecurities, it's our worries, right? Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about those like early pregnancy days. Like, and so with her, you were uh, pregnant. Did you go get like tests? Like how soon did you know into your journey in pregnancy that Ella had Down syndrome or that there was something different about your pregnancy? Yeah. So I, um, I mean, once we kind of were like, went, you know, we're like, okay, we're pregnant. Okay. You know, what do you do? I was like, I guess I'll call the doctor now. Um, (laughs) and so I just like, it just nothing, you know, nothing occurred to me to think about anything. Yeah. I was like, well, I know what a baby is. Okay. Like <laughs> we got time. I'm a super procrastinator. So, you know, we got time. So I went to the, I was like, well, what do I want to do? I actually like asked a friend. I didn't tell anyone for a really long time because miscarriage was just, uh, I was almost like thought I was, I was basically prepared to have a miscarriage. I think again, just out of fear, like just my ability to manage my own mm-hmm. fears. Um, but so we didn't tell anyone and I went to the doctor and I, I like kind of asked a friend, I was like, Hey, uh, she was, she's a RN, um, in labor and delivery. And I was like, where would you send someone? I was like asking for a friend, you know? <laughs> and so she had recommended a good midwife program that was close by. So I went there and made the appointment, just, you know, kind of went in and they were like, 
Okay. And I live in Seattle. So, you know, like we have a really diverse and I think strong medical community that balances like with the natural, like I was like, you know, they just talked to me really well about it, about like, there's nothing medically wrong here. You're pregnant. This is a good thing, but here are, you know, all the different things. And, um, so they were like, do you want to do testing? And I was like, what's testing? And, um, they're like, we look for these things. And I was like, well, that seems like a good idea. I love information. Um, just like, it's like, I didn't, I just didn't think about anything. So, um, I did the extra blood work and just moved forward in my life. Like, but that happens at, um, pretty early nine, 10, mm-hmm. nine weeks. Yeah. I mean, I think within my first appointment, they can do that genetic testing. Anyways, I don't remember what it's called right now, but, um, the blood work testing. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, you get to find out the gender. And that was the fastest way to find out the gender. And then I just went about with my life, but we hadn't told anyone. And the other thing is, yeah, like I, I just, I did not have like kind of how you described I was for you, you know, and like your other friend, like there wasn't really anybody in my life getting pregnant. So then one day I just get a call and they were like, Hey, it's like the nurse or whatever. And I was like, Oh, you know, I'm right in between clients right now. Um, or I called, they left me a voicemail. So I called them back and I was like, I'm right in between clients right now. And she was like, Oh, maybe, um, why don't you call us when you're done with your day? And I was like, well, that's weird. Uh, in my head, I'm like, that's so inefficient. Just tell me whatever you need to tell me I can deal with. Like, ugh, you know, um, and I was like, okay, fine, whatever. And she was like, yeah, just go ahead and call me. And I was like, I won't be done until, you know, six or seven. She's like, that's fine. Do to do. You just asked to talk to the on call midwife. So I was like, hmm. and so I went home because, and I commute home and I was like, I'll just wait till I get home. And I called, I was like, Hey, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so they got the on-call midwife. And so sh- the, this, I remember, and I will kind of share my thoughts, but, um, she was like, hi, okay. You know, this is so-and-so. And it's just like, so we got your testing back and I have some bad news. Um, and I will say just sidebar Kelly, like my experience with the midwife program, outside of that conversation was phenomenal. Mm. They held me and Ella so well. They just did, I think, a really really beautiful job, especially since I've talked with a lot of other families, children with Down syndrome. But uh, that moment was really, I think, Mm. not great. And this is the oldest midwife on the team who, who, so I understand, you know, just maybe handling it in that way. But, um, I think that my first moment into the Down syndrome world was with the words bad news is just something that I really um, is a lie. Mm-hmm. And I wish wasn't so, but also is a part of the reality. Um, but so she said, you know, we got the genetic testing back done and uh, it came up positive for trisomy 21, which is Down syndrome, you know, and I'm just said, I just was like, uh, okay, I just go in. I mean, you know, I'm a mental health professional. I just like, okay. So I just said, uh, what does that mean? Tell me more. You know, I'm like just pff, professional K1, like yeah, walls down or walls up, you know? Um, so I don't know, whatever she talked and then, and I just listened like Steve was in the room and he, I can see him looking at me. I, we were in our town home at the time, which is basically like one room, <laughs> <laughs> the living room kitchen, you know, it's all just like one rectangle. And, um, and so I just, I don't know what, I don't know what they said. I honestly don't know, but, um, I asked questions as one does. And 
I just tried to like think of everything and ask all the appropriate medical questions. Like, what does this mean? What is the rate of this testing? You know, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, so they're like, well, there's, you know, I think a point zero one percent chance it's a false positive and whatever. And then she, she was like, I'm sorry, I have to ask you this, but I need to know how, if you know, you don't have to know right now, but if you know how you would like to proceed forward um, with the pregnancy. And like, I could not even fathom that question. It didn't, I didn't understand what she was asking because I, in my mind, and this is just me personally in my journey, but um, I was like, well, I'm married and if I get pregnant, I'll be having a baby. Not that that's true for everybody, but that's kind of the frame of mind that my, Steve and I were in. And so I, I was like, you know, and she said, well, are you planning on terminating the pregnancy? And my head, like, I'm not going to cuss on this podcast, but I'm like, what the, like, I don't understand. You can't ask, you can't ask, you can't say this news and ask that question. Cause I didn't know, first of all, that those things went together and wow. now they are going together. And now you've told me that you have bad news and you've told me like, apparently it's inappropriate and then, and a regular thing to terminate a pregnancy. And I it was just like, whatever. And I think that at that point I cry, I was like, started to like get choked up. And I was like, I don't know, (laughs) (laughs) you know? And, um, and I, I was like, well, now I don't know because I didn't know that was, is this a thing? Like you're just, and anyways, at the end of the conversation, I was like, okay, well, I said, I think this is about all I can handle right now. Do I have to keep talking to you? (laughs) And, and, uh, she was like, no, you're doing really great. And I said, well, are you going to tell me the gender? Cause this whole time I'm like, what is the gender of my baby? And then there, and the uh, midwife, she said, Oh, good for you for asking. And I was just like, Oh, this is the stupidest conversation I've ever had in my life. I'm like, why wouldn't I ask? This is the whole point of getting to blood work was to know the gender, you know? So she told me it was a girl and um, I was like, Oh, you know, and then I hung up. And so then I told Steve, I was like, okay, you know, and we cried and uh, okay. That I don't, that's the end of that story. Like there is no, like, I don't, you know, I don't know mm. what we did from there, honestly, other than we didn't know anything. Um, we did a bunch of that preliminary internet research and we're like, okay, Lord, this is in your hands. I hope that our baby doesn't die. That was sort of our fear, which isn't as, um, the risk of that is not what you think it is if you don't know anything. Like obviously mm. people who have Down syndrome, really can have a lot of medical complications, um, both in utero right after birth and throughout their lives. But um, now that our society knows much more, the the life expectancy is a lot, lot higher than yeah. what I thought, not knowing anything. And then we didn't tell anyone. And I waited to tell my mom until I think I was 14 or 15 weeks pregnant. And that was, I shouldn't have done that. I should have just told everybody because I've created isolation for myself. I, yeah. And I can see like how painful that, that call still is for you. Like how much yeah that still carries and that you had to walk in that isolated is just for me, it's like, Oh, my heart just breaks, you know, hearing it. And, um, and yeah, I think so many families probably experience something very similar and have no idea yeah. which way is up, which way is down. And like, how do you even start to process news like that? Like you were given so many, you're having a daughter, there's 
she has down syndrome that there's, you could terminate the pregnant, like all these things. That's, I feel like a lot to handle and to even process, especially (laughs) when becoming a parent was kind of, you know, not, it was an unsure road, you know, to begin with. And if that's really what you wanted. So as you continued your pregnancy, like, was there more testing you guys had to do or more like, did that automatically put you in like a higher risk category or did you have just the normal appointments like everybody else? Or what did that kind of look like? Uh, yeah. So no, I had more appointments. Um, (laughs) it was a weird, you know, now that I've had my son, um, who, who's neurotypical, um, or just like, does not have any medical diagnoses. Um, I have something to compare it to, but I obviously didn't really at the time, other than like my friends, I had two, two close girlfriends who both had children already. Um, but they were a little bit far away about an hour away ish. Um, but are both still very, very dear friends. And, you know, so I kind of knew some other experiences, but so, like I said, outside of that phone call, I think that the, the midwives were just really phenomenal and it's a midwife group. So like you can be with any of them, but you kind of like have your favorite. And so I would make a lot of my appointments. So I did two things. They offer a program called centering where, uh, you can kind of walk, go through your basic pregnancy appointments that you do, you know, like, I think it's every, you know, you go a couple times in first trimester, you go at 20 weeks. And then by third trimester, you know, you're going more. Mm -hmm. So you can do all those basic appointments. You do them with a group and it's like a two hour thing. And, um, you're all due within a six week window and it's really cool. So we decided, I decided to do that. I was like, okay, community is really important. Um, and those became really good friends of yours too, right? Those women. Absolutely. Yeah. I love, I love my centering moms and, um, we still talk and yeah, we've kept really good touch over WhatsApp and zoom and, um, you know, it's not like we talk every day because life and parenting, but uh, yeah, they're, they're awesome, wonderful people. And we all, um, a majority of that group kept in touch. But so then it was like, we didn't tell anybody other than our family, like my parents and sisters and his parents and brother um, were the only people we told that. I don't know, Kelly, honestly, I, I think I told one other friend and I may or may not have told you. I don't think I told anybody. You'd, I, um, you didn't tell me until. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure. I did not tell anyone. I might've told my best friend. Cause like I compulsively tell her everything. It's sort of funny. So basically like what they did was had paperwork that they gave me or not paperwork, but like a booklet or something. So I was able to, I don't really know how I connected with the down syndrome community here. At some point in the process, I had, to, I met with a genetic counselor and I'm pretty sure they gave me a pamphlet. Um, and so sidebar, there are some really great companies. They're really like just a family that does it and gets other people on board, but you know, like a nonprofit now. And that kind of goal is to get Down syndrome information into the hands of every single delivering professional mm. in the country. Yeah. And I know other diagnoses have similar things. Um, so that because it statistically isn't like super common, but it's kind of common. And um, if their medical community is like, oh, well, don't really have this baby and you don't have anyone in your life or any information. Otherwise, you know, that's a very real serious thing and a tragedy. So, so for some, somehow I got that information, which was cool. And so I don't know how I connected with the downstream community, like I said, but, but we had to do a lot of, I chose not to do the amniocentesis, which is the big giant needle 
because I was like, well, I have what at this point, there's like a, maybe a, like a 1% or less chance that the baby does not have trisomy 21. So I was like, all right, I'm going to just go like my baby has trisomy 21. And if it doesn't, okay. And if it does, then there's no surprise. (laughs) And yeah, so I had, you know, it was like just so many appointments. They have to check the heart and they check a lot of other markers. And Ella, my daughter, didn't actually have a lot of the other markers. It was all her markers were just right on the edge. It was like nuchal mm-hmm. thickness, which is the back of the neck. It's like, you know, here's the range. And she's like right on the edge of, of a little bit extra thick and like nose bridge. And, you know, if, if we didn't already have this um, early blood work, we wouldn't notice this. So the only kind of marker for her that I think was significant was her, her, her femur length. She is a shorty short and she still is a shorty and she's, she's the cutest so thing in the world. Cute. Oh my gosh. She's about a head shorter than everybody in preschool maybe. And, and, um, but you know, some people are short, um, <laughs> but that was the only real marker, um, until the very end when they, they were like, she's not really like, she was always under 10th percentile for growth. I, she was an IUGR baby in her uterine growth restriction. And there was a lot of diagnoses they gave us because I chose not to get the amniocentesis. So I did not have a confirmed trisomy 21 diagnosis. There's a lot of other diagnoses they gave us throughout the pregnancy that I think if it was a confirmed trisomy 21, they would have just said, this is trisomy 21, but medically that's the way they do it. So yeah, I don't, it's really hard to remember now, but it was like both a very typical pregnancy in that um, I just was pregnant for about 40 weeks and then was able to deliver her naturally, which is um, a lot of grace and blessing. And at the same time, it wasn't in that, like I was going to fetal medicine, Seattle fetal medicine. Like I had like a gazillion appointments. I had like hours long. What's this called? You know? Oh, like an ultrasound? I'm gesturing. Ultrasound. Thank you. Yes. Um, just on her heart and appointments on that, just on her lungs, just on her stomach, I, you know, and you had a lot of stress tests, so right? At the end, didn't you? Oh, that's right. See, I don't even remember now. Yeah, I had to go in three times a week for this for the stress test where they hook up and listen to her heart, which is like three times a I week. I don't know. Like that is yeah. in itself is stress in third trimester. Yeah. Um, and like other moms who've been recommended to have those, it's it uh they're so weird because basically they're like, Oh, well the baby has to move this many times in 20 minutes. And if the baby doesn't, they give you juice or you like, you know, by the time you're in those last four or five weeks, you know how to get your baby to move. And so it was like, whatever. And I would just do them. There was a couple times that they were like, you haven't passed. And I was like, well, I have to go to work. And I was commuting an hour. So I was like, I have to go to work. And they were like, we can't really recommend you leave. And I was like, and then they were also sweet, you know, the nurses. And I was like, I hear your recommendation and I am going to leave now. And if you need me to come back, I can come back after work. And there was like, you know, another time where they really did. They were like, we do want you to come back. And, and then I had, and then, it, you know, and I came back and I was like, it didn't pass again, but I was like, you know, there was other times, like I called so many times, like, you know, so much mom panic that you do in your first pregnancy. Yes. And other times where I was so confident. I was like, my baby's fine. <laughs> my baby is fine. <laughs> so I forgot. Thanks for reminding me. I blocked it all. Then oh I had gosh. a baby during COVID. And so that pregnancy was its whole other adventure. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's a story for another day. Oh, it's like, exactly. Yeah. So uh, just like a quick pause or just 
for, especially if a mom is just discovering, right. Something similar, right. She's pregnant and just Mm -hmm. found out that her child has a down syndrome diagnosis is insurance cover this stuff. Like, I mean, it sounds like a lot of extra, like just in terms of what to expect, like there's more appointments involved as you're describing. And then how is that even like financially, was that something covered for you guys or, Cause I can imagine that might be stressful yeah. too. Uh, yeah. So yes. Um, Down syndrome in my experience with the insurance we have and in the city we're in uh, was, is pretty much like a pass. So I got the 3d ultrasounds. I got, we had, you know, the copays added up for sure. But um it, it was for the most part, it was fairly covered. Um, and I also, you know, it helps I, Kelly, like we've talked about this, but I fully acknowledge, like I am a medical provider, so I can get on the phone. You know, I called my insurance in my first trimester and was like, let's talk. Um, I need to know all of these things. I want to know these expenses. What do you cover? I had, you know, I had them walk me through what would and wouldn't be covered at delivery what the, what the out of pocket would like, I just, I've already, you know, I'm pretty comfortable calling insurance companies and talking with them. And, and that I know is, is uh, not true for most people. And so I recommend doing that, but also reaching out if you're not comfortable or you don't really know what to ask. Um, and like, it was, so it was fairly covered. Yeah. I mean, since Ella's been born, the stuff that we've walked through that I've had to do much more like calling them and being like, no, you need to recode this. This is medically necessary. This is why, you know, and and like calling the hospital and saying, I'm not paying this bill um, because I'm talking to my insurance, you know, please don't send it to collections, but you know, like that. So that's a whole other thing. But, but for my pregnancy, uh, because we did that, it was, it was pretty covered. Um, And because she had, I mean, I delivered her naturally they had a lot of staff on call, like mm-hmm. probably like five other medical people were in there. Um, neonatologists and a heart specialist, just like, I, mean, I don't even know all their names and titles, but um, everybody was like, bum, 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 bum. and then you guys can't see my hands, but I just, I'm like, <laughs> but then they all left. And then, yeah. and I actually had to ask, I was like, Hey, does my baby ha-? like, I'm in the stirrups. They're sewing me up because yeah. Uh, <laughs> tears here and there um and I was like does my baby have down syndrome like someone confirm it and everybody was just like checking everything and thankfully in my experience she never left the room Ellen never had to leave the room mm. everyone came to my room and that is such a gift that I'm really grateful for and I hope that every um I hope one day that can be the experience for every mother um but everybody came to me so and then they brought in yeah, I got a little skin to skin with her and, and, um, she, they were like, yes, she does. It's confirmed. She has down syndrome, but everything else checked out enough for us to go home the next, I spent the night that I was in labor and then one more night in the hospital. So she was born at nine 30 in the morning. We spent that night and then I went home the next day. Wow. But yeah, so I didn't have any extra medical expenses at, at labor and delivery either. That's yeah. What a blessing. Do you Which have- is a blessing. It's a huge blessing. Do you have any advice? Because there are a lot of moms who it is harder for us to advocate for ourselves. Any tips, both in pregnancy or since pregnancy, that 
you could give for someone because the financial side is a real aspect of it. And so real. Yeah. What could you share just tip wise to advocate for yourself even? Um, you know, and Kelly, I know, you know, this too, like the community and city that, that you live in really plays, has an influence here. Um, and so I would say to add, just like find your community Mm. and, and ask the questions and say what you want. Like, um, I am really, I think I, in almost in some ways, uniquely lucky that I didn't know what I was doing, but I asked a lot of questions and, and in that I was received well. And I know a lot of mothers, whether it's Down syndrome or just pregnancy, um, anything that can come up in pregnancy, you know, there's tons of other mm-hmm. things that just come up in pregnancy and where you can, it's really easy to be dismissed for mother's intuition to be ignored, to, to, to be questioned. And especially first time moms, like we don't, we know at the, some we we know so deeply and we don't know anything at the exact same time. (laughs) That's such a good way to put it. Finding other mothers, whether it's online or in your actual, you know, as much as COVID is lifting or not, you know, whatever, like the real people that you can and just ask, 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 ask and push back. Like I would just be like, yeah, it's Kaywin. I'm asking a lot more questions. Um, And I would just really strongly encourage that. And I would say too, like with the internet, be savvy that would sort of be the other thing. Cause I got a lot of bad information before I found the good information. Hmm. The good information is there. Like I'm hugely connected through social media and websites and communities um, online, but, but use the filter of your mother's intuition, both with medical professionals and with the internet that um, yeah. And, and just, I think the best information that I received was being pregnant is not a medical issue, nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. absolutely nothing wrong being pregnant, nothing wrong with you at labor and delivery, unless something does come up that's right. different. Right. But the, the natural course of it is, is completely beautiful and natural. Your body is doing the thing it was meant to do, just like breathing and walking and eating. Mm-hmm. I think that's huge to remember. It's, this is just a part of life. Right. And like, yes. Yeah. Wow. Um, And we're going to put some of those resources. I think you're going to share with me some resources uh, that we can put in the show notes too for other moms and families. Yes. Specifically. Yeah. 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 So just, and some of them too, there's a couple other things I'll put like maybe a couple Instagram accounts that I follow that I think if, if any mother, any mother person is just hearing this, you know, you could just be like, Oh, thinking of your friend um, or a father. And that some places that I think are even a good place to start that you could, I know you could like DM and be like, Hey, I heard about you randomly on this podcast and can you help me? You know, and I know they'd be good places. So awesome. Cool. That's so helpful. Um, Wow. So as you went through your pregnancy, a lot of unknowns, a lot of just not even knowing which way is up, which way is down. Um, would you say that like the whole time you were processing, was there grieving? What was kind of like, what was it like once she was here and, and that you were holding her in your arms? How, how had you processed life in your reality up until that point? 
<laughs> okay. So I feel like I heard to- two totally different things. Um, <laughs> let me say, let me say this first and then I'll kind of go back. The moment I saw her and held her in my arms is still quite possibly one of the coolest moments of my life. Uh, like not to say just like the best, because I think, you know, it, there's a lot of hormones and stuff going on because of what we had gone through through pregnancy. When she, she came out of me, you know, and you're like in labor, it's like, and at the very end, like it's horribly hard. <laughs> yes. It's work. Yes. <laughs> and it's really intense. And um, it had been long and I had had to be on Pitocin and, and she came out, she cried right away and they had had to use a vacuum at the end. And so they were like asking me like, you know, and I was like, yes, just okay. I don't know. Like, yes, I give my consent, you know, and they explained the vacuum to me and I was like, <gasps> you know, um, fine. And, and like she, you know, that last push where they come out and <laughs> I want to be like, <laughs> um, it's like the cool, it's like so gross sounding like the coolest thing in the world. Yes. And, um, and they held her up and, and she was like, <laughs> and I got to have a, like a little bit of skin to skin and she was so perfect. And I was, I like really wanted Steve to deliver her. I kind of wanted to deliver her myself, but then because of the vacuum, I couldn't. And then I had wanted Steve too, but he, I don't think he like had the disposition in that moment to do it himself. Um, but I wanted him to cut the umbilical cord and um, we couldn't do delay cord cutting with her, although I was able to with my son. Um, and so just, I just want to say like that she was so perfect oh. and amazing and just, it was the coolest thing in the world, but partially because it just is. And partially because I think the other part of your question was, um, yeah, my pregnancy was like an emotional journey, like as an understatement, because the whole time we didn't know what we know now. Um, and so many mothers don't know. And, and so their journey is they find out at birth or after birth or for, I, I mean, this is pretty rare, but sometimes weeks, maybe even m- a month after birth. Um, wow. And, and then of course, lots of other diagnoses you don't find out and until birth or within those first couple of years. Um, and it's harder and it's a journey, but so we went through during pregnancy, you know, both my husband and I went through things together and individually um, of just like weeping and like praying, like, I just want our baby to live. I'm just going to be thankful for any moments I get with my baby, mm-hmm. whether that's a couple moments, whether that's a year, 13 years, you know, whatever. Um, Cause you just hear and read and um, I'm just like, I am just sort of accepting what at the time we thought, which now I know is, is not as highly likely as I thought at the time, but sort of accepting coming into pregnancy with a known reality that I might outlive. Like I very likely could outlive my child. Mm. That was something Steve and I really had to process. And again, with Down syndrome now, the way the medical community and what we know and, and the year that we're in, um, it's very likely that Ella can live out, you know, she might outlive me or will certainly live a very long and healthy and full life, you know, in, in decades past, certainly that wasn't always the case for a lot of reasons, because we didn't know how to treat people with down syndrome, just like a lot of other types of um, diagnoses, like if they were institutionalized or taken away from their mother, just a lot of 
things that are mistreatment from the medical mm-hmm. community that would end up shortening a child's life or a person's life. But um, yeah, so we, and then there can also just be other things that I don't know, like with any kid, you don't know. But um, there was a lot of that processing and then a lot of waiting. And that was also true for her first year of life um, after she was born. Like, okay, then we're going to check her heart. Does she have the hole in her heart? Is her intestine intact? Is her, where are her lungs? What, what's her, you know, just a lot of things that are common with Down syndrome that was like, okay, she doesn't have it today. We'll come back in a month. Checked eyes, checked ears. We check heart. Those are the big ones for her that we continually are watching. So, so the pregnancy journey was a lot of learning and realizing, oh, this is actually, oh, this is really cool. Like going mm. from being really, I don't know. And is my baby going to die to like, oh, hey, that's really neat. Hey, I'm really excited about that. Hey, look at these people we get to be in community with. And I've joined the Down syndrome community of Puget Sound and, and for a while was the zero to three group leader um, until I had Rainier. So it was really important to me to be a part of that experience for other mothers of like, if, if they get that information and they have the prenatal diagnosis or right after their baby's born and they, then they know they can join this Facebook group and we have a little way we welcome them and we all sort of share. And, you know, I think that's really important because I don't, I don't know when I joined that group, but it wasn't until after Ella was born. And I don't know why, if it's because I didn't know about it or because I just didn't get around. I don't know. I can't remember, (laughs) but Mm. there was a lot of grieving and a lot of cool things, Mm. like exciting things, you know, and a lot of, I will share this because this is actually pretty vulnerable as a very, you know, for any other mothers listening, something that's really hard for me to even say and, and know is that like, I, after getting that phone call a little bit later, I asked Steve, I said, are we keeping this baby? Um, and the fact that I had that thought and I asked him, I hate so much. Um, but I also reflect back on with like really love to myself. Um, I didn't. And the, and part of the reason is because a very close person in my family life had shared years prior had said to me, someone who I love and respect and is a beautiful, wonderful person that had said to me, um, you know, I know if I had ever if I ever was pregnant with, with a child with um, disabilities, I'd, I'd terminate the pregnancy. I know I just couldn't do it. And I, and I sort of had that in my mind as like, oh, okay, you know, this is a person who's older than me who I love and respect. And mm-hmm. so I kind of had that in my mind. I was like, oh, I didn't know that was a thing, but I guess that's like a thing. Maybe you don't keep a baby if they have severe um, disabilities. And so like, I sort of had that in my mind. And now, um, obviously, I've since pushed back on that uh, and really want to put out into the world that no, that's, that does not, that's not a thing where, I mean, it, it is something, but um, that does not, that does not need to be a way of thinking that, um, you know, so, so I just share that to say that like, it's really hard to look my daughter who is so, I mean, Kelly, you know her, like she is so hilarious and fun and funny and smart and just amazing. Like she is such a light in the world and already brings so much. She's such a gift. Sincerely, not as my child, but like really, she has the most contagious smile I have ever seen on a child, like ever. And literally lights up a room with her joy and her love. And yeah, it's like, she's little Cupid with an arrow shooting like hearts of love into people's souls. Like, 
She's mm-hmm. just even with incredible. her stubbornness, she's still like that way. Like oh, yeah. her cranky stubbornness is no, she has more like life giving. No, it's your <laughs> sassiness. It totally comes from you. Like <laughs> she takes after yes. her mom in that way for sure. But like, yeah. oh my gosh, what a she's so fun. I just can't imagine not having her in this world. Like she's just so beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's why I, I like share that vulnerable of the fact that I did, I do own that. Like I had that thought because it was brought to me. And so the end of that story is I asked my husband and he just looked at me and I was like, are we keeping, he was like, yes. Like it was the, like there was no other option without a doubt. And I'm very thankful and appreciative of that, especially being that like, you know, he didn't really want to have a kid. (laughs) Um, And then he's finding out not only is he going to be a dad, he's going to be a dad of a child with Down syndrome, but it was never a question. Like there wasn't even the briefest of hesitations. And so like, that was really important. And I'm thankful for that. And I know like other mothers in the community, you know, we've talked about like our experience with that, the question of termination. Um, and many people, and I just want to say too, I know I'm talking like long, but no, this is, so I know there are mothers special. listening to this who've made a different decision, you know, who have terminated their pregnancy, whether it's Down syndrome or a different diagnosis um, or reason. And I don't want to be dismissive of mm. the weight of that decision, but I, I, I really don't want to be judgmental or dismissive, but I do want to be a voice to say Down syndrome is no and that is not a reason. If someone tells you that it's a lie um, of misinformation or whatever is going on in their life, like you can do it. Mm-hmm. And whatever the diagnosis is, I feel pretty confident to any mothers or fathers. Um, you can do it. Because mm-hmm. it's true. I did. There's no, it's impossible to know what I know now then. Yeah. How, how, like the, like how much. And the other mothers in our Down syndrome community that I've talked with and parents too. I know I'm talking mothers here can, because this is our, our yes. space, but like, it's so true. We are all just blown away at the, the specific blessing that our child with Down syndrome is. Yeah. It's really cool. Uh, and I think like, it's something that she has, but it do, it's not who she is, right? Like, it's like, she's her yeah. own person and it comes with a lot of unknowns and, different ways you have to approach life or maybe some more doctor's appointments. And, you know, there's definitely a different circumstances you guys are in, but it's not who she, like, she's still Ella, right? Like she is uniquely Ella. And um, yeah, I think that's really what you share is very uh, powerful. I forget. She, like I genuinely, she's three and a half right now. And it's not like just now three and a half. It's like multiple times through her life. Like I don't, I forget she has Down syndrome. I question, I'm like, I think I've asked you, I've asked some of my close friends, like, I don't, can you tell when you look at Ella, if she has Down syndrome? And I know to the general public, especially as she gets older, the answer is yes. But it's that it's, I say that more like it is so not the defining factor in our lives. And, you know, with, with heavier medical complications with other families, and this is true for any family, regardless of diagnosis, if your child has a medical thing that you're dealing with as a family, that is significant. That season of your life, whether it's short or long or sporadic, um, 
that is significant, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but like the Down syndrome isn't the defining factor in our life, not at mm. all. Except that sometimes she does really special things that are amazing. Like <laughs> the way she says things is really awesome. Do you have an example of like one of your favorite things she said or how she said it? Well, yeah, I mean, oh gosh, like so so she, you know, speech is is a hard thing for people with Down syndrome. Um, and it's and as true with the diagnosis, it's a really wide spectrum. Mm. Um and it, there's a variety of reasons. Muscle tone is a reason. Also, some people with Down syndrome have smaller mouths, so their tongue takes up a little bit more space. Um, and then muscle tone, like I said, and and but her speech is coming along pretty well. Um, it's fairly common with Down syndrome to to work with a speech and language specialist. Um, so she has had one for since uh, I don't know six months. And but sh- her speech, she talks fairly well, but she leaves out all the articles. Like the tiny words aren't really necessary to her. Um, so the way she puts sentences together combined with her enthusiasm. And I, I don't even know, like her favorite thing right now is to ask people their favorite whatever. And so she'll like, Steve had a couple of friends over on the porch the other night and and um, I was putting Rainier to bed and she went out there and she was like, uh, so-and-so, like favorite animal. She says it like that. And then she goes, Dada, favorite animal. And then she turns to <laughs> favorite animal is, and she'll do the signs animal. like, um, yeah. you know, she'll do favorite animal. And cause she's pretty strong with sign language. And, and then she'll say, Ella, favorite animal is, and she thinks so <laughs> zebra and like her little face. And then she'll, and she has no idea what favorite means. She just wants to play the game of asking you and she'll just keep going. So you answer. And then she asks you again. And she asked everybody in the room. So she wait, Rainier, favorite animal is, and then she does favorite color. And it's like, and she, like, she'll just tell me like, no mama, no mama, sit here. And she'll like move my body. And it's like, I, I love how, um, even though she does not use words like to or the, her sentences are very direct. Um, and like, yeah, she communicates she what sentences. she wants. Like she's very oh, so direct. Cool. Like her whole person. But yeah, it's just with this energy that is so funny. And she also, I think, loves to, um, the way that this is so hard to explain over a podcast, but she's, she really likes things to be in their place. She likes routine and she likes when things happen. So if we're sitting out here in the living room, cause my husband's been working from home through COVID and she just hears a very first click of the door handle opening, not the door opening or, you know, my husband walking in the room, it is that the hint of the very first click. Yeah. <gasps> oh my goodness. Uh. Dada. And she just narrates everything. Dada working, dada working. And she'll sit with office, but that was kitchen, but I, I designed for offices. Rainier nappy first Rainier nap, then Ella park. Like, <laughs> it's like things like that, that just like, oh my gosh. No, it's it just cracks me up. She's bossy. (sighs) She is, but I she's learned from the best. (laughs) (laughs) And then my mom just laughs at me. I'm like, and my mom just laughs when I'm frustrated. (laughs) Uh, She's probably like, oh yeah, 
You uh-huh. are getting a taste of your own medicine. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. She's like no help at all whatsoever. She's like, yeah, I win. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, okay. I kind of want to move into like maybe some harder like topics in terms of like how other people have responded to you guys, like from that first yeah. announcement, you know, that you not only were you pregnant, but like you have a beautiful baby girl and she has down syndrome. Like, and I think you put it on social media. Did you get, I mean, I can only imagine that there was comments that weren't helpful, that were discouraging and others that were incredibly encouraging. Can you share some more about that? I don't know if I would like, I don't know why I didn't tell anyone, but I knew I was going to tell in her birth announcement. And so, you know, as people tend to do, they have a baby. And then at some point they put a little post up on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. And kind of that's a, a common way I know people will announce it. Um, and so we rewrote a whole thing and, you know, I, I have been, I don't, sometimes I don't know if this is because of my personality or, or just my life experience has really just been this way, but I have not had some, I haven't had a number of the experiences that, uh, friends, in the Down syndrome community have had in terms of responses from family members and medical community. Everyone was pretty great. Honestly, people were awesome in terms of kindness and love and Mm. an openness to, of like, wow. Okay. So I I kind of want to say that because I know that a lot of people don't have that experience. They have people in their family who ask questions that are hurtful or say things that are hurtful, you know, and people said the things like, you know, oh, well, she's going to be so happy. And, you know, some of the kind of the stereotypes, which is like, we just talked about how much joy Ella brings. And I would say, to clarify, based on my experience, I would say this, just sidebar to the world, people with Down syndrome bring a huge amount of happiness. They Mm -hmm. bring to other people's lives a, a joy that is, it's, it's hard to put words to. Mm-hmm. They themselves experience all the emotions that every human does, and as children, have all the behaviors that every child <laughs> does. So it is not that Ella is happy all the time, um, which I think is is sort of a, uh, a, a con- an idea about people with Down syndrome that they're always happy. Mm. It's and I would say in my experience, it's not that they're always happy. Um, they're stubborn and they get they have all the emotions but they do bring a specific kind of joy and happiness to the people around them. So there's my sidebar, but I will say that everybody said, everybody says really positive, encouraging things. You know, I do live in Seattle. Like we have a really inclusive community um, here. You know, people are very, very careful about PC language here. That's just sort of the environment I live in for better or for worse. Right. Yeah. So, so everyone was, was really great. I, I think like for me, what my experience was that I was like, Oh, Ella has Down syndrome, but we love you. And we love Ella. Like that will not change anything about the way we love Ella. And then, and like, and they just kind of went on with their lives. Like that's like, we're, we acknowledge that that's not going to mean anything negative. And it's mm. true. Like, you know, and so, okay, we're just going to, treat her like everybody else and treat everything like everybody else. And, and that's a good thing. I don't 
wish people had done anything opposite of that. But um, in her first year of life, I did find a strange loneliness in that, in that I was like, and, and in my own self, like, a, um, it was hard because it, it was like, I don't want anyone to treat my daughter any differently. Mm-hmm. I don't, I want her to be fully included and have a full life. Um, I don't want her to, you know, have to live under a weight of stigma. And um, my experience was not the same exactly as everybody else's. I was, I was going to extra doctor appointments. I was worrying about things. Her development is on its own path. So she, she hits all the markers, you know, Mm -hmm. but she does them in her own time and her own order. (laughs) You know, it's like the way her teeth came in. It was like, she got, I think her first tooth was a molar. One of her last teeth was one of her front teeth. You know, it's like just, just um, her own path. And so it was a strange space to be in as, as it was like needing acknowledgement without it wanting to be without, but I think everyone being so careful not to give negative acknowledgement. Yeah. No, I can relate to not knowing necessarily how to show up or what to say or like not even wanting to like acknowledge that she was, you know, had differences or had, you know, had Down syndrome because I, I, I just didn't know how to show up and didn't want that to be like a factor, right? Because she's such a joy, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, that almost created more isolation for you right? Because there were challenges that you were going through or differences, you know, just a different path. Maybe that might be typical for most parents if they don't have a kiddo with Down syndrome. Right. And so I I feel like that's something where I really missed the boat of just not knowing. And uh, yeah, what, what would have been helpful for you? It's, I don't know. You know, it's like, this, this type of question starts to, I will say, I will try to say it would have been helpful for me, but also this kind of question starts to get so personal that it's like, Mm. what would have been helpful for me may or may not be helpful for anybody else. Mm -hmm. But I will say what is helpful and the things that mattered are um, when I knew that people were talking to me openly and sincerely, Um, you know, like Kelly, I, I mean, we've talked about this, but the fact that you said even like that you wanted, that you were like, I don't know. Tell me, tell me how to show up. Okay. When I don't know, um, this is how it was for me. Like it was, I craved knowing what it was like for my friends and family. Mm. I was like asking people like, what was it like for you? When I told you that she had down syndrome, like my close friends and family. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, and I, you know, and I kind of got that, like people didn't want to say anything mm. Yeah, bad, bad. I'm right. making air quotes. People didn't want to say any, you know, and I, but this is like, I'm talking about like people I'm really close with. I'm not talking about like the general community. I'm like my parents, my sisters, my best friends, you know, yes. like y- you, like I really went through a season of craving and asking people what it was like for them when they found out because yeah. there wasn't anyone to share that experience with. And I was like, but you know, like I wanted to know, like, like, were you sad? <laughs> like, mm. What was your first thought? <laughs> I, you know, it's like I had all these feelings. Did other people have all these feelings? It was, you know, what I mean. And it's like actually, Kelly, um, I'll share this with you. Like, my, do you? I don't know if you. Ah, I don't know. I we did. I forgot this earlier. 
I didn't tell you. You found out though, because I told my mom not to tell anyone. And she ran into your dad in the grocery store. Do you remember oh, this now? I, I forgot do this remember. I did find but out. I think this, this yeah. is important kind of to your question. My mom, I was like, we're not telling anybody because we're not doing the amniocentesis. So I want to just wait to tell anybody. And, and then my mom ran into your dad and our parents, just for listeners, our parents, like super, super close um, in the grocery store and told your dad and your dad told you. Yeah. And you texted me and I was so, and I was like, uh, who told you? (laughs) And you were like, you know, and and so then I was like, oh yeah, we're not telling anybody for these reasons. And then you knew, cause I was, anyways, this is why I knew you had stress tests now. Cause I was like, how did I know you had stress tests? Yes. I know. I was trying to remember too, but so it was like, and I, I was like, mom, and my mom thinking like she, I don't think it occurred to her that, that like when I said, don't tell anybody, I don't think people like your, your dad <laughs> counted, you know what yeah. I mean? I mean I don't, I think we're like family. Like, yeah, I, we are. And I don't, I think she wasn't going to tell, you know, in her mind, other people, she told like her best friend, um, she told probably like four or five people. And I know that like my sister's told like a really, and, and it's, this is true for all of us, right? Like if somebody says, please don't tell, you might tell a person who you're very close with, who, you know, will keep it in confidence because that's who we are as humans, right? We need to share, we need to process. Um, and that's, that's different than gossip. Right. That's such a very different thing. And I think we all sort of know that that's appropriate. Um, I was sort of startled that anyways, I was sort of startled. She was like, well, I saw it at the groceries. And I was like, okay, mom, but I get how in her mind that didn't, that didn't count. But I think to come back to your question, I really craved the close people in my life sharing with me, like, yeah, when I found out I called up so-and-so and cried, or I had to look like, my brother-in-law of all people has been not of all people. I just say that because he's not like a really, he's not a big emoter. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a wonderful guy, but he's not a big emoter. And, you know, I had told my sisters, so of course my brother-in-law knew. And, and I think like right that day after I told them, I, I think my brother-in-law looked up a bunch of stuff about Down syndrome and he and my sister watched a documentary. Wow. Um, and like that, that kind of thing was really helpful. Like that was really meaningful to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he and I, it's not like he and I, we don't like sit down and have like conversations about feelings. <laughs> um, I mean, that's not really like his, his jam, but, um, <laughs> but like that action. Yes. Right? And if I ask him, like, he'll tell me things, you know, and like Becca, she was like, she was like, yeah, Isaac, look, you know, look this up and here's what we learned. And so like that kind of thing, the, the willingness to be like, what do you want us to say or do? And I can be like, I don't know. And you to be like, okay, cool. Um, here's something I learned, you know, like that is what was really helpful. Hmm. What I, what I think I, I wanted more of, like I asked my family to all listen to this podcast and um, I, I, they didn't all say no. But they didn't all say yes. And, and I, 
this is after Ella was born. Um, I remember talking to my family. I mean, excuse me. I remember talking to my best friend after that and just like crying. And I was like, mm. I have, and just, you know, I have an amazing family. I am very yes, you do. lucky and blessed that we also are, are really um, close and able to talk with each other about things. But I was just like, and it, no one said no, but it was just, I don't think anybody understood really where I was coming from. And that's kind of my point. It's like, I didn't know. I didn't know how to communicate it. They didn't know. And that was hard. That was really hard. And I was like, I just want people to have, I want the people in my life to have the passion um, to learn that I'm having. And And it's not that they should have. It was like, because this is, this is a steep learning curve and I'm, and I'm feeling alone mm. in it. Does that make sense? I don't know if that makes sense. No, I think that's really powerful of what, and I think what you just said sums it up. It's a steep learning curve, right? Like this journey you guys are on, like there's still right unknowns or things that are going to be different in the road ahead. And you, you wanted someone to come journey with you in it. It sounds like. Yeah. And to not be, to be brave with me in that mm. journey. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Because um, there's a lot of times of having to be brave. <laughs> oh my gosh. I just, just thinking about all the moments so far you've shared right now. I'm like, I cannot imagine like the courage you've had to show up with time and time and time again. is just, wow. Like such a reflection of who you are as a person, as a mom, right? As an advocate for your family, for your daughter, for your son. I mean, yeah, I think it's just evident that you you are brave and strong too. And and that strength doesn't mean you don't struggle and strength doesn't mean there's not moments of extreme pain or grief or weakness or questions or doubts. Um but that you have had courage through all of that to show up and say, I'm here for all the unknowns. And I think that's yeah. remarkable. I mean, thanks, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. What- Strength is those things though, right? In parenting. I mean, like, th- like, let me first say, like, I don't want to be dismissive of your words right now, but, but, um, that means a lot to me and hearing them. I can't help but think of, of so many parents and isn't that what strength is like strength isn't having it together and knowing the answers and being tough. Strength is, is like facing, facing those moments when you don't know the answers and you're not tough and it's hard and it's confusing. And I think for for so many people, but at least for myself, it's that, um, I can't make time go any faster than one moment Mm. by moment. And this is all I get to know in this moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think though, what you say though, is yes. So many of us parents can identify with that regardless of our journey with our kids, right? What our road has looked like, but I also feel like there is such a pressure to show up a certain way, whether that's Instagram culture or, you know, just the own pressures we put on ourselves, And 
And I think to learning that it's okay to not be okay at times. Right. And I, I think that's, that's something I've had to learn. Cause I mean, parenthood, there's been so many times I feel so helpless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? I'm like, uh, I don't know what to do right now. And everything I'm trying right now, right. Whether it's just discipline and like dealing with the behaviors of a three-year-old and you're like, everything I'm trying is not working. It worked yesterday, Mm -hmm. but today it is not (laughs) working and I have no idea what to do. And yeah. yeah. Um, But I think, yeah, I think you just, your story and sharing gives other moms, parents, the, the opportunity (laughs) permission. And I think the more we can share. Hi, Rainier. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Rainier's trying to get up on this podcast. I love it. Um, that's mom life, right? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, but I think your story and the more we can share our stories and, and be open, it gives permission for other people to find strength, even in those moments in their storm. Right. And yeah. And that's what I, I so value um, you for sharing and for this conversation for that very reason. Thank you. Yeah. It's um, good to be asked. <laughs> um, okay. Asking more questions like with elephants in the room, what is language we can use that is, uh, in, you know, inclusive? We've had this conversation before, but for those who, yeah. you know, are newer either in this community, we have friends or family who have, you know, a child with Down syndrome or, you know, we're just learning it ourselves. Can you kind of enlighten us? Um, I don't know about enlightened, but I can share for what I know to be true for myself and, um, for the community, for the conversations I've had. Right. Um, so I will say just nerd alert here. Um, I think with language, and I'm going to say this, I say nerd alert because I'm going to kind of talk about language as a whole here. Um, language has always been fluid. It's constantly changing. Uh, and and there's like kind of easy examples of that, that we know words used to mean one thing and now they mean a different thing. And and we can look up the origins and things, but also on a, I think, a different, like deeper levels, language is just constantly fluid and changing. And so what is what I think is important is that it's okay to ask. It is okay to ask. I don't know some, you know, I don't know anyone who would say, I wish no one had asked me um, if this, how they wanted this said or what was okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, nobody's ever like, gosh, why did that person ask me? Um, what was, and maybe there are people out there, right? I feel like now with the internet, there's always somebody who's, who's, um, you know, it kind of goes against what my experience of general experience has been, but my, for the most part, it's like, it's okay to ask because I can tell you my answer, but then I encourage all the listeners out there, like, don't be like, Oh, okay. I heard this on this. And so this is the way that it is, but say like, Hey, I heard this. What is it for you to whomever you're talking to? But, but, um, in terms of language, I, the things that I do think are important that I, I, uh, in the general down syndrome community is pretty common is that we, you don't, um, 
which really try to discourage people saying discourage, excuse me, discourage people saying downs like a downs kid. Um, and that's the one I hear the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I sometimes correct people and sometimes don't depending. Um, and I mean, I, when I say them, like anybody listening to this, who's in close to me is going to be like, Oh, <laughs> you didn't <laughs> want me to say that because it's so prevalent, really prevalent yeah. too in our education, our medical communities. And, um, I hear people say it too, with, with sort of love, mm-hmm. like a downs kid, like she's a downs kid, you know, a downs baby. And, uh, I think that it's just, this is why I go back to like saying how language is fluid and how important it is because it's a very little thing, but it does matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's not a Downs baby. She is a person with Down syndrome. And I think as we think of the, there's ways to advocate that are big and bold and important. And then there's the little things that make a difference over time. And this is, this is where I think that those types of things make a difference over time. And this applies to many um, types of abilities, differences, right? There's other, I'm not going to like give a bunch of examples, but we can all think of mm-hmm. different ways that that might apply to other um, people groups that can have stigmatism around it. But it's like, oh, but I don't mean it that way or whatever. But you're like, yeah, but if you don't mean it that way, let's just not say it that way. Cool. Yeah. Um, so, so I ask people typically that will say, you know, like Ella has down syndrome or a person with down syndrome or, um, whatever. And then in terms of like disabled or differently abled or a person with a disability, um, special needs community. So, so that again is like, I would really just kind of be open to just asking the people and like, ask the people in your life, um, do they view themselves is this is a community of special needs, like special needs is something where some people are really um, do not like that language. And other people are like, this is our community, man. Like, and it's beautiful and it's amazing. And it is. And, you know, and there's also language that allows access. Like I prefer to say different abilities. You know, my daughter has different abilities or I'm the mother of a child with different abilities, but I know there's places that if I say different abilities, they're not going to know what I mean. That makes sense. Um, and so I might need to, to clarify, you know, or, and so then it's like, I'll use like, um, you know, special needs community. Um, my child has special needs. So, yeah, no, that's super helpful. I mean, I think what's most empowering is basically ask the question, like just ask the question, ask the question and, um, and venture into it because not everyone, right. Like you said, it's influenced by where you live preferences, all of that. And so, yeah, I think that's really insightful. And I'm also like, oh, I have definitely used downs before. And so for me, that's like, okay, I course correct. And it's very, very helpful for me too, to know how to show up. Yeah. Well, and I will, I'm just going to throw in a little thing here. Um, Well, two things. I, I know myself, I don't, you, (laughs) we've already alluded to my personality traits that have come out in Ella. Like I can, I can be fairly strong-willed and bossy and whatnot, but I also like really like people to be happy and comfortable and stuff. So it's like, I don't always correct people. I don't always even feel the need to. And it, you know, and it, and I think like, what's important is that it's like, well, yeah, sure. You've said downs. And like, I probably, I might not have even said anything. I don't know, but it's not, it's not about you and I having 
an uncomfortable moment and trying to avoid that. If, you know, I think what's important in community is like, have the uncomfortable moment with me. Be like, Kaywin, oh, like you just did. You're like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> of course, correct. Like that is meaningful and powerful and good. Yeah. And that makes a difference mm. for Ella and her community. So you say, oh, okay. And that we continue forward in life together. Yeah. That it, it's not, it doesn't have to mean anything. It doesn't have to be bad. Um, you know, like I, we had just very recently, someone in our kind of wider friend group used the word retarded um, and then was like, oh, oops. Uh, I don't know. Uh, and not about Ella was like, you know, using it as sort of a slang and, and then was like, uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and, but it was the opportunity to be like, yeah, you know, let's not say that. <laughs> and and it's like, oh, and I get it. I get that. Like when we were kids, like when I was 13, I feel quite confident that I said that about like in slang. Yes. Um, it was very common <laughs> slang. Yeah. And, and so it's not to create, I know that's right here. It's not to create. I just, I guess I want to encourage people. It's not to avoid an uncomfortable feeling. It's that we learn and grow in the learning and growing. We are all advocating as a community. We are bettering Mm. this world in space. If if you, if we could all do it perfect and right each time and never make a mistake, I don't know. We'd be very static. Our brains would be different because we would be such a static society. Um, And that's not who we are. So it's like, yeah. I know our friend was like, uh, 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 you know, um, and then it's a little bit weird because then I'm like, no one ever want to make anyone feel uncomfortable, but I do want to advocate, you know, but I mean, it was like two seconds and then we just continue to have a wonderful evening, you know, and, um, and there was, so I hope that made sense that it, you know, ask, put it out there. It's, it's when we have those moments and we then move forward together that as a community, we're creating a better world in space. Okay. Sorry. And I think that's really powerful too, because I feel like I just, how you're speaking is also coming from such a place of so much grace. And, and I think too, something important for all of us to learn is like, not to take an offense, not that, but like, in order for all of us to move forward together, like it, like, how do we make it not a thing? Right. So that it, we don't get stuck in like, oh, I can't believe so-and-so said this and did this and, you know, and like to how to, how to actually make it. So these conversations are maybe not comfortable or easy, but like are happening and that we are moving forward because I think our kids deserve better, right? Like we deserve better as a whole, as a community. Mm -hmm. And so I really appreciate how, how you approach it too, like, and how open you are. And I think, yeah, just asking, I think that's so, it's more powerful than we might know. And I think we're afraid of the unknowns, right? Like I'm afraid to hurt you or I'm afraid whatever, or, but just to ask anyways. And yeah. yeah. What can I add something to that? That like, Please. I don't know if we're, if we're way off topic, you can like edit it out or save it for another day. But um, <laughs> I, I think to the point you're saying, Kelly, when people experience hard things, whatever that is, they know they've experienced it. Nobody 
you, you don't remind someone by asking. They weren't okay until you asked. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, it's not, you know, so, so when you reach out to a friend and, um, and I think this is true for all of us, we don't want to, we don't want to upset. We don't want to make it uncomfortable. We don't want to, but it's like, if there's something going on in a friend's life and you ask them about it, you didn't create that thing by asking. <laughs> mm-hmm. They weren't, you know, nobody's, it's not like someone's goes, Oh, Kaywin, do you want me to say Downs or Down syndrome? I'm not like reminded in a negative way that, oh, if you hadn't have asked me, I wouldn't have had to deal with that. So my child has Down syndrome, right? Sorry, I'm not. Come on, Baba. And I think that applies across so many areas of just the places in life where we come into relationship around the things that happen. Whereas it's like, I think it's always. We are a stronger community. I know Rainier agrees with me. Just so you guys all know, he's he's chatting away because he's like, yeah, mom, I agree. Yes. <laughs> no, he's hungry. Um, but yeah, I just think that's really important that like this applies across so many areas of life. And it's so hard to remember to do. So hard. Yeah. Mm. So good. Well, I know we've been like talking for quite a while. I feel like we could keep talking all day, honestly. I know. <laughs> we knew that would be a danger with us. I know. I And I feel like there's so many more things. What would be like, what are some of the questions I haven't asked that you would, that are common that you get or that you wish someone would ask you um, that you would love to share with us? Well, one thing I just like didn't, say that I wanted to say is um, in terms of my journey with Down syndrome. So I have a friend who, I have a couple friends um, who are kind of familiar with working with children and um, community. And so my, you know, my friends who just sent me resources, even if they didn't know what, like whether or not that was helpful or if I already had it or whatever, like it doesn't matter. Like that was really meaningful to me. So I just wanted to like kind of circle back to that, that like sometimes people sent me, people would send me things and sometimes I didn't know about it. But a lot of times it like, I totally already knew about it because you know, I'm raising a child, but it doesn't matter whether or not I already knew about it, that, that they saw that and sent it to me was just like really pushes against that feeling of isolation. Mm. So just um, to say that, and then, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if there's other things that, I mean, there's so, so, so much, but I think we kind of talked about a lot of the big pieces of like, I would just encourage. And I mean, like I said, I I will give you some resources there. There's a community called the lucky few um, Mm. that for me has wildly been helpful. And, you know, even that title, I know other mothers have had an experience of like the lucky few is, is, um, kind of how we've named ourselves in the Down syndrome community. Um, and some others really like myself, we really like that. And other people are like, would, would language it differently. But um, so I will kind of give you that resource to link below. But that awesome. has been a hugely helpful community. And I think um, can expand on this conversation in, you know, for anybody who kind of is like wanting more conversation, that's a place that I would maybe say to go. 
since well, you and I could talk forever. Maybe everyone isn't gonna listen to like a five hour long podcast. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I think we might definitely have to do part two sometime. But I mean, because yeah. right as, as things you grow and develop in motherhood and Ella as well. And well, I have a couple more questions. Are you still okay mm-hmm. to keep going oh, just yeah, a couple I'm more good. minutes? Okay. Yeah. Um, so I guess uh, some more questions would be, so I was going over these with like Caleb last night, my husband, and I was like, babe, would like, is there anything you want to know too? And so he thought like, it would be insightful just to know for you as a mom, what are ways that like, either like Steve showed up in really powerful ways that were like really supportive or what are ways that partners can be encouraged to like, yeah show up and to support their, their spouse, um, in this journey that you guys are both on. I mean, it sounds like he's been just such a rock and he's a phenomenal dad. Like you've said, <laughs> he's a good dad, but that was like, Caleb's yeah. was like, how can I like as a partner, like, what does that look like? Yeah. Um, well, so, I mean, I, I told you guys, I told you already his response when I was like, uh, are we keeping this baby? They, they asked me this question, yes. you know, just like without a doubt. And, you know, I've actually read and heard other people, um, moms of children with Down syndrome share similar things of their head. Like, you know, I'm like just being scared or unsure, you know, you're, when you're the mom and you have that little tiny baby in your tummy and there's just so much to that. Um, and the husband really kind of having that, like, it's cool, man. It's cool. <laughs> which in one sense you could be like, ah, I have to have all my emotions. And on the other hand, it's like really helpful. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you know, like if I try to think of a way to answer that question, that isn't like just about my relationship, but it's like stepping into parenting. Those first years are unparalleled to any other season of life, I think. Um, and I'm saying that obviously I don't have kids that are teenagers or adults or anything, you know, I'm saying that sort of as through observation, as well as, you know, my personal experience of being in it. And so doing your own, like just, you know, I think what's been helpful is when Steve has also read stuff about down syndrome or shared with me his experience, um, you know, especially because while this isn't always true in our family, uh, as a mother, I care, I do a lot of the heavy lifting around food, medical appointments, daily care, you know, just like all of that, you know, so it's like, I have done a lot around the medical side. And so it's really helpful to me when I hear him having done research, understanding, you know, knowing what's influencing his decision making when he's, when he wants to hear me talk and talk and talk and talk. (laughs) But, you know, I sort of, I'm a talker. I sort of compulsively need to share everything. And, um, like, the openness to that. And then, but not just the openness, but then the incorporation. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's he's good at that. Like, he knows when, you know, things that we've done, like, like I will just be like, <laughs> you have to give me a hug. And <laughs> he's like, oh, <laughs> you know, but um, he'll do it. And. It's not like he doesn't want to, but you know, I think like it might not have been what occurred to him to do in that moment. 
Um, and just kind of like that, that giving me space to, to have my own journey and then sharing with me his journey um, is really helpful. Mm-hmm. That that's really, yeah, that's helpful. I, it sounds like too, you guys have really had a lot of conversations and like open communication, whether before you decided to have kiddos, right. And when you were just starting your health journey, right. And wanted to be on that same page of, all right, I'm going off, I'm going off birth control. Right. And, and just sounds like you've really kept dialogue open between each you two and that you've also expressed needs you've had along the way. Yeah. And I will just say like, like, I know that if I was listening to this podcast and I heard you say that, what would be going through my mind is like, well, that's great for them. But that feels impossible for me. Yeah. Right? So, um, <laughs> like, even though we're totally. talking about me and I just shared all these times where my husband is, you know, we've had these really incredible conversations, keeping dialogue open and having that dialogue that the, the lived out experience in marriage of that is really hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, really hard, right? Like everybody listening, it's like, no, we aren't like some couple who just has these beautiful deep, meaningful conversations every time we need to. It's a lot of work to get there. Like the conversation where, where he said like, okay, you're not making this alone. That was a hard conversation. There was, there was tension. There was like conflict. We Mm -hmm. got there, you know, and I'm, I I love my husband. He's really just quite fantastic and wonderful. Um, I guess I just think it's important to share a bigger piece of the picture is like, we got there. That is where we ended up. And that is so powerful and meaningful in our marriage, right? That we stayed in the tension and the like tiptoeing around fighting um, to get to the end of that conversation for him to say that. And then that I, I like kind of left it there and didn't be like, well, say more words to me, which is what I always want to say to him. (laughs) Say more words. Right. But yes, we do. We do, you know, have good conversations together, but it's hard right. to get there. Very hard. Well, and I can imagine, like, I think parenting is like with a partner, right? Like is challenging enough without the added diagnosis, right? Like there's already a lot of yeah. your, your sleep, like you have sleepless nights, hormones raging. <laughs> you're yeah. doing, so, especially as a new parent, you're doing something you've never done before. <laughs> And like it, that alone is like such a recipe for really, really hard conversations. And I feel like at least in my own journey, I've seen so many cracks exposed in my own foundation. (laughs) And I'm like, I thought I was (laughs) nicer or more patient or, um, and I mean, just even the hormones, right. I'm uh, right. As we're having this conversation, I'm 35 yeah. weeks pregnant and I'm a little bit more yeah. hormonal. And I'm like, Oh, I have our midwife asked how you're doing. I'm like, I'm a little bit more snappy. Like I've been, mm-hmm. you know, and that, so like, I guess there's unique challenges in a relationship to navigate in general. And I could imagine that the added stress of all the unknowns, right. All the extra um, steps and yeah. Parts of parenting, right? Like have brought up some really hard conversations. So, uh, well, if you were to like, 
you know, look back at your, or I guess like if you were to turn back time and talk to yourself at the very beginning stages of like motherhood, what would you tell yourself? There is actually, just so you know, there's a couple of, I can't remember what it's called right now. Um, but like mom's conferences where they will talk about just that. And you can read letters of, of parents, um, of children with different abilities that write those letters. So I'll see if I can find that just like, that's if that's cool. not in the show notes, everybody, I'm sorry, because I couldn't find it. But, um, so I would just say like, that's a really beautiful thing. I would encourage people to go out and find this. Um, but I think like, if I could go back and talk to myself, especially that day I got the phone call. I would just be like, it's, I mean, it's silly. Cause if you say like, it's going to be okay, it doesn't matter in the moment because you need to go through the emotion. Mm-hmm. Right. But like, I want to be like, you can't even fathom how much fun your life is about to be. Mm. And it's true. Like it's true. And that, that's true. It, it, you know, like COVID, I mean, I'm not going to touch on this, but like for uh, all of us, if you just had a parent or didn't parent, but for this platform parent through COVID, <laughs> that was not fun. Um, <laughs> that was the worst. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and just like other things on top of that. And I was pregnant and then I had Rainier right in the middle of it. And, um, and there were times, like, especially after he was born, he, his first six, seven months, he's just a really, really hard. He's a great, he's just a wonderfully joy-filled, great kid. But those were just, he had a hard time with him on the outside. And I had a hard time with him on the outside those first few months. And um, we both cried a lot about it. But, you know, there was times where you're just like, everybody's crying and I'm covered in every bodily fluid you can imagine. And we can't even leave our house. I can't even like, go to my friend's house. Like this is so, and it's been months and you know, you're just like, and, and Steve and I looked at each other, like everyone's crying. (laughs) And I was like, we're not going to remember this. And it's so true. I couldn't even tell you like what other, I couldn't even remember the specifics of that. And I remember like how I felt. I remember being like, I'm going to lose my mind. (laughs) Um, but I can tell you all the lunches that Steve got to spend with us Mm. that he wouldn't have. And like all the time, and I know I'm sort of talking about like COVID joys, but, but I'm talking about, it's true with parenting. Like I would go back and like, you just don't know how much fun you're going to have because it's true. Like as hard as this, cause she's three. So like a large portion of her life was, was influenced by coronavirus. Um, And at this point, you know, when we're recording this here in, in, August or what I don't know if you want me to say the date but anyways yeah <laughs> like 20 2021 um and but the things that you remember you know yes I remember that I didn't get any sleep and stuff but it's like when I came downstairs and Steve is standing in front of we have kind of like a bigger window and he's just looking out the window and he has his hands behind his back and Ella's standing next to him with her hands behind her back but she's not tall enough to look out the window <laughs> you know and like like watching your kids do stuff and, and it doesn't matter who you are, like, or what, who your kid, like when your kid learns something, you're so, you want to tell the whole world, like my kid just used the pincher grass, you know, and it's like so (laughs) mundane, but like, it's not, 
or like, oh, they just asked me this question, you know? And it's like, for, for all the grief and all the worry that I still have on a daily basis, right? Yeah. So much fun. So much fun. And no, I just feel like that doesn't get talked about enough. It's like, feels like the biggest secret in the world to me that like, yes, I can't go out without spending a babysitter an ungodly amount of money or paying a babysitter an ungodly amount of money. Um, <laughs> that is true. That is my life right now. But like, it's, it's, a, I won't remember that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's been so many moments. I mean, I relate with that. You don't remember. Ruby is like one of the most strong-willed children and passionate <laughs> and energetic. Mm-hmm. And like, there's moments where I just want to pull my hair out and I have yep. no idea what to do with her, but I can't even, yeah. Like you said, I don't remember those things. I just remember the, the joy and the twirls and the discovery and the play yeah. and yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we just, she makes you laugh. Oh my gosh. So much. And so, um, yeah, I think you're, you're hitting something really important. Like the, the best kept secret is that it gets, it's about to have so much fun. And I think that's like so much fun when you can live too from a place of hope and, and joy, right? Like anticipating yeah. good. Yes. Yeah. And that's a hard, that's a hard thing. That's a practice, right? It's totally anticipating good and not anticipating the worst. Like, um, one thing, I don't know if you're going to ask me this, but I know we had talked about was like, what's inspiring me. Yes. Um, and I am a huge Brene Brown fan. Just like I have been a Brene Brown fan for so like I beyond a decade, like I, and I just like continually am, um, really into that work. So, uh, and it's, and she talks about that though, like she calls it foreboding joy and it's Mm -hmm. so easy to prepare, to protect ourselves by preparing ourselves for the worst. But like, like you, like it's that practice of expecting the good. Yeah. And not be like, well, I'm just ready for it all to fall apart any any minute. And so I'm just going to sit here with my armor up. Right. And when you do that, you don't get to fully experience you know, the twirls, Ah. (laughs) like, I know I've, I've seen Ruby have her tantrum, but man, I have seen that girl play. And and it's like, I tell you, I don't remember, unless you bring it up, I would never think of her tantrums. Right. Oh yeah. Like I think of, but I remember her dancing with Ella and like, you know, and her, and her, them being like, like, wanting to jump on the bed and play in the room and like, you know, it's like, those are the things But we have to, but it's a practice expecting the good. I think that's a really beautiful way to say it. And I think that's too, is like, uh, it's progress over perfection. It's practice. Mm-hmm. It's daily. Um, yeah, we don't just arrive or we're just not like born an incredible mother. <laughs> I don't know, like, <laughs> but I think it is, it is that practice. It is that that journey of becoming and yeah. Uh, yeah, a little bit different question, but similar to kind of, if you could go back and give yourself and maybe, maybe you'd say the same thing. Um, you might very well say the same thing, but like, 
uh, for a mom who just found out, right? Like she's pregnant, similar to you, just found out her baby has Down syndrome. Is there any advice or anything you would say to encourage her that's different than that anticipating all the good times? Or is that what you would tell her? Pretty important. Like, this is going to be so much fun. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would also find, find the people, you know, build that community and find the people who will tell you the truth. And I mean that both like, like how I was talking about, like, I wish people would just ask me the questions, but also in the medical community, like Mm -hmm. people who know what they're talking about. Um, Yeah. I think that's really important. You know, if, if I could talk to somebody who's just receiving that diagnosis, I do think find, find the community of people who will tell you, you know, real information, good information. And who are your people who will stand with you, who will, who will answer your questions and listen and, and build that community. But I mean, honestly, like it's so much fun. (laughs) (laughs) That is like, and I wish someone, I mean, it would have been really, I think if someone had been able to say that to me, like I couldn't have taken it in. Mm -hmm. I I recognize that. Like, I don't know if I could have taken it in, but I, but I would have remembered that they said it. Um, Or I would have remembered how it made me feel to hear it anyways. Cause it really is. It's like, yeah, I have gone to a ridiculous amount of doctor's appointments. And that, thankfully for me, they're not really far away. They're all about like 30, 35 minutes away, um, which isn't so bad. Um, but you know, it takes planning, but, it, but it's like, I don't remember, but I, it, 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 I do remember how fun it is. Yeah. Are there any differences? I guess this, like, because I hear sweet Rainier in the background, what has that been like transition wise for you uh, going from a one kid to two kiddos in the home, right? That in itself is a change. And, and are there differences in like routines? Are you able to have similar like routines or like, what's that like with him? Cause it is a different, he's a different kid, different personality first and foremost. Right. And. Oh yeah. <laughs> totally different kid, totally different pregnancy experience. Well, for anybody who has more than one child, the jump from one to two is real. So get ready, Kel. Um, <laughs> it's worth it. It's fun. It is fun. But boy, goodness gracious. Um, <laughs> have your community. Surround yourself with your community if you can. Um, I am here for you in five or less weeks, Kelly, and then all the future. <laughs> but, but um, you know, our kids, tell us what they need. Um, and, but it takes work to listen. And, and so it's like what my kid needs might not be what your kid needs in one hand. It's the same, right. Cause they're close in age, but on the other hand, like the daily structure might, might need to look fairly significantly different. Who knows? Um, it's like, that's our kids, but it, it takes work to listen. And, and so I think I kind of am getting off track of your question, but Ella, you know, routine is really important at this age. And then also I think for her in her life, that will probably continue to be true, but um, trying to keep the routine is hard and it had to shift, right? Because we're a family. So when you have, when we had Rainier, it was like, well, yeah, there's lots that needed to stay the same. Um, and then we had to really work as a family together of how that was going to shift mm-hmm. like, and creating new routine, nursing him, 
while I was, I, she was weaned. I wasn't still nursing her. You know, that really comes up just like he's, he's a year. Like I think yesterday Ella asked me if she could nurse. Um, she hasn't nursed for two years. I mean, I, I think I nursed her to almost 14 months. Um, and that was then we were, she self weaned, you know, so it's been a while. She's three and a half. It's been a while since she's done that. And, and I mean, I, th- I actually just sidebar on that. I got some good advice from a doula that was like, you know, your older ones will be interested in that and just let them if they want to, they won't want to do it. Just don't, like, don't fight them on it. Just be like, sure. And it was really funny. So I sat down on the floor and I said, do you want to nurse Ella? And she was like, yeah, she was asking. And so I like sat down and I kind of pulled up my shirt and she just gave me this really weird look. And I, I said, do you remember this? She just like kind of looked at me like, wait, wait, what? And then she crawled in my lap and she was like, let's do rock by baby. Cause she likes, she's really been into that recently. She wants mm. me to rock her and sing rock by baby, which is not something I did. Well, I rocked her, but the song isn't like, she just recently found that song or something, but you know, so I think it's that all of the above of, you know, really having to work to keep her routines while we shift in new, new pieces. Mm-hmm. right for who Rainier is and who he is in our family and making room for him um, they're different and similar and doing that all together did I answer your question yeah I mean yeah okay. I have more questions okay here's another like <laughs> awkward question uh you know but I'm just gonna ask like do you have do it. thoughts yeah. and I mean especially you are also right like a mental health like family therapist as well. Right. So, um, I'm, I'm curious, but do you have thoughts about like, because there's extra attention needed because of Ella's diagnosis, right. And like, there's extra doctor's appointments, extra attention. Do you wonder what that will, like how that will impact like Rainier Mm -hmm. or like, is there things that you guys do differently to try to encourage and support? Cause I guess I could imagine or I've heard, I guess, stories of like where one kid had more attention because whatever they needed X, Y, Z support that was an additional and feeling left out or unseen or, you know, Mm -hmm. not as important. Is that something you guys like discuss and talk about now, or you anticipate, or you're already, I don't know. I don't really know how to like continue the question or what I'm asking, but just, I think you might. Oh no, that's a really important question. Um, and the answer is yes, we, we really are quite conscious about that and have been, we've been in conversation about that since being pregnant with Rainier. Um, and, and I am kind of really continually conscious of that uh, because I am a therapist. And so I've absolutely had clients where uh, there was a sibling with some type of diagnosis or need um, educational or medical or whatnot um, that took extra parental attention just like quite literally it just did right like Mm -hmm. it's like I will probably be taking Ella to more appointments than I will take Rainier um at least I kind of hope so (laughs) because a lot of appointments it was double but like uh we are we really do try to be quite intentional about that um and we talk about it purposefully um and and we Steve and I talk about just you know how we'll want to talk with Rainier about that his daughter, his his daughter, excuse me, his sister has Down syndrome, and, and while and how like I simultaneously want to protect Rainier from having to feel like he's 
I don't ever want him to feel second rate, second best, less important. And like, I want him to be able to live his life and not, you know, um, and like how we'll talk with him about like, this is, this is our family. This is our life. There will, there might be extra responsibilities for him. Um, you know, he's going to be a little brother and a big brother. Mm -hmm. Um, so to Kenny give you an example, my mom, has a very good, we have really good family friends and the, and one of the mothers is, I might have told you this when I was up there recently. Anyways, I didn't know this, but one of my mom's good friends has a sister. Uh, she's, she's now passed, but has a sister with Down syndrome. And so when I was just in Alaska this last time, I was like, Hey mom, can so-and-so come over for tea? Would she be interested in talking to me? And of course she was. And, and she came over and she brought, all, I mean, it was actually really, really touching and meant a mm. lot to me, but and she just really shared her experience of having a sister with Down syndrome. Um, and this was like in the 50s, 60s, 70s, you know, 80s, 90s, um, well, into the 2000s. And, but, you know, they were kids in the prior decades. And, and like, that was really important to me. Like, that's something. And she actually brought me some articles. And, um, yeah, we're really thoughtful about that. I, I, you know, when I had Rainier, my dad sent me this text. He was like, like, I don't know how you said it. He was kind of like joking, but he was like, oh, our hearts have just exactly the right amount of moon for Rainier now um, in them. And, and how that's true. It's like, you have one kid and you love them so much. And then you're like, what am, you know, you might be feeling some of these feelings or not. I don't yes. know, Kelly, but like, you're like, there's going to be this whole other person, but this relationship I have here is so special. And so like, yeah. And what is this new person going to be? And the, um, yeah, that's a really very real conversation of of how will we handle the conversation and the raising of both our child with Down syndrome and our child without. What would you say that conversation that you had recently, what, what was your biggest takeaway as like a mom and like hearing her journey and story too? I don't know yet. It was kind of recent. Um I asked her outright, like, did it matter? And she said, yes. I mean, it was a huge part of her life, but I don't, I don't think that, that there's a conclusion to draw there. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's important that at least to me, like what I've been thinking about is like, it's not like, and so it was good or, and so it was bad. bad. Right. Right. It, it was like, of course it mattered, you know? And I asked her questions, you know, like, um, her husband. I was like, how did you tell him when you guys were very first dating? What did that mean for you guys? Like, did you ever think your sister was going to live with you? Uh, you know, what about care? You know, just all these, I asked all those questions and, and, you know, her answers were pretty just her life, you know, their community, what her parents, where they live, the people in their community. I mean, it was, that's, I think that journey is, is really um, quite diverse. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know if I have like a specific takeaway other than just that, like, I want to, you know, it, it okay. Um, it, I want to be thoughtful about his experience and our, as our, and our family as a whole. He's, he agrees. He agrees. You guys can yes. hear him. I mean, but what I, what I'm hearing is like, it is very much a part of your process in your journey. And it's very much a, like a conversation that is continually ongoing and likely will continue to be ongoing for years as you. Yeah. 
come back, you check yep. in, you see how you're doing and, and to just be, you're, you're mindful of that. Well, this has been just so insightful and I feel like, yeah, we could keep going, but I just want to be respectful of you, of Rainier and your day. And so I just feel like there's some such beautiful nuggets um, that have been shared so far. And so thank you. Thank you for just taking this time and to share with me so openly. And like, honestly, I really, it means a lot to me as a friend and sister. We're practically sisters. (laughs) We're sisters. Yeah. We call each other sisters. Yeah. And uh, thank you, Kelly. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. This is a gift for me. Like I said, the fact that you asked means so much. Hmm. It does. I love you so much. And I love your sweet family. Oh my gosh. I just wish we lived closer together. I know. I know. Um, (sighs) There's been so many nuggets that we've got today and there's a lot of resources I know that you've shared. So we're going to put those in the show notes. So we'll make sure that they're accessible for everyone listening. And then if you have any questions or you want to reach Kaywin, you can just send an email to hello at nourishedmotherhood.com and we'll make sure to get you in touch with Kaywin. So if you have further questions or you just really want to connect and I know she'd love to connect with you, she'd love to hear from you. So we'll make sure you can have that email in the show notes, show notes too. And we'll, we'll get into her. So yeah, thank you. Uh, Thank you, Kaywin, for just and being here. And I just, I so appreciate you and I love your sweet family. It's mutual, girl. Big, big, big hugs. Well, that's it for this episode of the Nourish Motherhood podcast. It is such an honor to journey with you each and every single week. If you love this podcast, consider subscribing and leaving us an honest review. It helps us get this show in front of more amazing women like yourself. Thanks, friend, and we'll see you next week.